0: It's the word that means servant. And by pure definition, that is what a deacon is to be, a servant. He's one who serves the local church. He helps. He's a helper. Praise God for helpers. Amen? There's been a lot of progress that's been made, guys, in, such a, in a short amount of time because of servants. We've had some great servants uh, through the years of the history of this church. I mean, look around. There's a lot of God-honoring servants that have gone before us. And so thank the Lord for them. Diakoneia, it means service. And then we also see the diakoneo, which means to serve. And so you see these different forms of the word used throughout Scripture. But again, you get the idea of what's behind the heart of a deacon. It's one who desires to serve, to serve you, the local church, to serve their pastor and assistants, but most importantly, to serve their Lord and Savior. That's what we're called to do. And so, again, I would say this. Let me get some water before I choke on it. Um, The the deacon helpers uh, as well, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, Again, something that we'll find scripturally is important that we're training future deacons. So this is deacons defined. So let's continue. This word diakoneo, its derivatives, their etymology, suggests are used mainly for personal help to others. Since a pattern, diaconia is found 34 times in the New Testament and it means service at the table. And we really unpacked this last week because the original concept of the deacon was because of the Hellenists. There was a, a dispute that arose amongst the believers. That never happens. And they were coming to the pastors, the, at the time apostles, that were serving as elders in that church that was being birthed. And they were saying, hey, we got some issues. What do we need to do? Hey, guys, we need to be given to prayer and ministry of the Word. Here's what we're going to ask you to do. And so at the direction of the pastors, they said to the deacons, we need you to take to the congregation, the whole congregation. Y'all need to choose from amongst yourselves. Seven men, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom. So so what they were, in in essence, those pastors were saying to the congregation was, you guys know who's who. You know the fruit of the tree. You know who these people are that exemplify what God has called servants to be. You know them. You know them by their fruit, Jesus would say. He was talking about false teachers, but you can flip that on its head. You also know that a good tree brings forth good fruit. So choose from amongst yourselves. That's why we implemented here in the selection of deacons, our church does selection of deacons biblically. We start in the nomination with you guys, and you choose from amongst yourself. You write down those names. And then uh, those names are then brought to the leadership, as was in the case. They did that there when they chose those seven men. And then the pastors appointed them to their task. The task in, task in Acts 6 was to serve tables, to help with the widows because they felt like they were getting neglected. I want my soup, my bread, my salad. You know, whatever. I don't know. It's it kind of bad impersonation there, would not it?
1: Soup, salad, and
0: anyway. Desserts. All right. So then we see diakonos. It's found 29 times. So you see again the different form of servant, but the 29 times in the New Testament, its primary meaning is one who serves at tables. So I'm not a real smart guy. and Some of y'all don't. I'm glad nobody ate me in there. Thank you for holding that. But I say, self, you know what? I can understand this. And so this illustration hit me that when you go to a restaurant and you dine in a restaurant and the waiter comes over to take your order, what kind of waiter, waitress, what kind kind do you want coming over to serve you at your table? Now I'm sure if you've eaten out enough, we've all had bad service. We've all had some bad waiters, right? We've had some really, really good waiters. So this... This kind of gave me an idea.
1: I said, you know what? Let's illustrate this. Check this out.
0: Get some volume on that, boss man.
1: So anyway, I've been looking forward to coming to this restaurant. My friends have tell telling me about it. They said that the crab legs here are phenomenal. So Good evening. Hey, how are you, sir? Uh, yeah, I, all right, thank you. So what do you recommend?
0: What's uh, I've heard that the crab legs are really good. Do you, do you have frog legs? Or is that just
1: the way you walk? <laughs> I'm sorry, i was just sorry. Um, yeah, what do you recommend? Uh, whatever you need, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. Oh, I appreciate that. I think uh, maybe just start with a water with lemon.
0: Uh, what do you think for appetizer? You wanna, you wanna try maybe some of those, is that
1: conch fritters? What is that, conch fritters? Not sure of the proper pronunciation of that. Uh, maybe uh, you want the fritters. Would that be good? I, I, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, fritters, sure. Sure. Okay. We'll, you good with that? All right. Yeah. We'll try the fritters. Good um, with burger. The uh, double bacon cheeseburger with fries, please. Uh, anything you don't want on that burger it comes with mayo, ketchup, mustard, all that kind of stuff. Yes, sir. Please. Uh, let me have lettuce, tomato, uh, onions. Mm-hmm. Uh, no pickles.
0: Uh, jalapenos. Uh, let me put some chili and some salt also on that right. and uh, mustard ketchup mayonnaise and uh, some relish yeah. and uh, also let me put um
1: well we'll see do you have any do you have any of those red onions you know i'll check with the kitchen Okay. I'll check with the kitchen. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, if you could,
0: if you have any of those, maybe put some of those and some mushrooms and some sauteed
1: onions on top of the red onions. All right, yeah. and you know that might cost you a little extra. That's is okay problem. with that? Yeah, yeah that's fine good with that. Good. all right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Okay, I'll, we'll be right back. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Excellent. I uh, ordered the hamburger with the fries. Uh, well, th- that is fine meal, sir. That's some, that's some good stuff right there. That's fish, sir. <laughs> well, yeah, I know it's fish, but, you know, I was I was thinking, you know, I know what you wanted, but right. I don't think you knew what you didn't want. So I got you what I think you didn't want that you actually wanted, and I got you the fish. So did, so you're telling me there's no burgers? You didn't have any burgers? Or Yeah, but you didn't want the burgers. No, sir, I did want the burger. That's why I ordered the burger.
0: I actually was very detailed in the kind of burger I wanted, but... Uh, I, I, hear, fish. I, I hear
1: <laughs> burger, but I think you wanted fish. No, sir, I did want fish. I wanted burger. Uh, I, I'll tell you, the cook gets upset about this. The manager they are going to charge me. So um, I, I just hope you enjoy your fish, sure. sir. Uh, we'll be right back checking check in on you, all right? I'm glad to have you all as oh, well. Oh, hey, how are you doing, you. sir? Welcome to the restaurant. Here's yes, sir. Here's menu. Thank you. Um, can I get you anything to drink before your... Why do, why do you look to see what you need? Yes, sir. Well, uh, i uh I guess water's good. Water with lemon. Yeah, two, two, two waters, waters with lemon. Waters. With lemon. Please. Yes, Okay, sir. all right. Um, one, two slices of lemon? Um, one, please. Thank you. Thank you. I'll yeah. be right back with those sir. waters. Very helpful. Uh, here's the waters? Thank you, sir. All right. I mean, have you had a chance to look over our menu? <laughs> Just looking over, and uh,
0: yes, absolutely. I think uh, tonight we'll start with the...
1: Um, let's go with the cheese sticks, please, to start off as an appetizer. Hey, look. The cheese sticks are really good. This says homemade. Is that They They are homemade. Okay. And they are good. You said they are good. Oh, they are the best. Okay. okay. So, I mean, anything on the appetizer is it. to blow you away. Now, would you like um, any kind of... A different sauce with that. It comes with the marinara, but you can have others if you wish. I think we'll do the ranch dip. Ranch, yes, good sir. choice. We're always elegant like that. We like the, the ranch dip. Good, good so. choice on that, sir. Yeah. Right, t- uh, are you are you ready for your main course? If not, I'll go ahead put this order in for these appetizers. That way, you have a chance to talk over the appetizers. Maybe look over the menu. Yeah, if, if if you're alright. Yeah, that's okay. I'll, Yeah. We'll take the appetizers first. Give us a few minutes. Um, cause I'm, yeah, I might want to look here at some of these entrees. It's going to be my pleasure and I'll be right back out with you all in a few moments. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Very helpful guy. Very helpful. So anyways,
0: so we kind of get an idea, good experience, bad experience, right? And the history of the church is such, and look around today, in some places, deacons oftentimes, specifically in Baptist churches, a lot of them have left the biblical role and they're doing it wrong. They have usurped the authority. Just like in the illustration, the order was for a burger, but the waiter Determined on his own that the better choice was the fish. Now, I know it's a simple illustration, and illustrations break down, but guys, the biblical definitions are vital to our understanding, to our roles, and to our responsibilities. It's no different in a home. Our homes have broken down the same way. God has defined the roles within a home. And when we see a home that's dysfunctional, it's usually because we've departed from the defined roles. And so it's important that we understand there is a right and there's a wrong when it comes to understanding the truth of these offices, these roles and responsibilities. So, uh, by the way, I was supposed to be dining with Chuck Norris. He didn't show up in the shot, but anyway, that's okay. He works, give Carver a hand. He did a good job on that (laughs) editing. And uh, excellent stuff. By the way, welcome aboard new deacon. (laughs) He said, what did I sign up for? Anyway. So again, I hope that simple illustration gives you a little better understanding of the roles and responsibilities. So let's talk about the deacons distinguished. And so what does Scripture say again? It actually does distinguish the roles. It gives us a difference. So for example, Philippians 1.1, we know that there are two offices explained in the New Testament. Notice this reference here. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Now again, we'll talk in the next couple of weeks. This word overseer is the same word, again, describing elders, pastors, bishops. It's the same office. You know the illustration if I say our commander in chief, our president of the United States, or specifically say Donald Trump. I have not described three different people. I've described the same person, the same office. Now. We'll talk about the plurality of elders. Should there be multiple pastors? Should there be a single pastor? We'll talk some about that over the next couple weeks. But I want you to understand that there is a distinction. There is a distinguished role of both offices. Just like, whether the world wants to tell you or not, there is a man and there is a woman. All right, Let's don't blur the lines, folks. It's it's not that difficult. Um, And so in the church, there are overseers, pastors and there are deacons so what about this distinguished office let's go to the scripture and let's take a look in our text first Timothy chapter 3 verse 8 through 13 likewise deacons likewise deacons must be reverent not double tongued not given to much wine not greedy for money holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray as we delve into the Word of God that you will expound it, that you will teach our hearts, that you will give us understanding. And Lord, that we collectively here at Community Baptist Church will continue to honor and uphold the truth and authority of your your Word. For your name's sake we pray. Amen. So, let's take a look at the outline in this text. Um, The first thing we're gonna look at today is the mindset. There's a certain mindset that comes with being a deacon. We're also going to look at the mouth, okay? Because the mouth uh, is definitely one of those things that can get us in trouble, right? Take it from a man who knows. I have the Peter syndrome, right? Um, The money. We'll see that as well. We'll also talk about the mystery. We'll look at the method. We'll look at the missus. We'll look at the matrimony. And we'll look at the menage. Some of you may want to Google that word before we get there, but I'll define it. I was Hey, I was struggling with M's, guys. I was already down to H, all right? And then we'll look at the merit. And so this is kind of where we're going uh, again, if you don't get all that written down, we'll hit one of these one at a time. But I'm not going to spend a lot. We're going to basically just kind of read through these scriptures and let the scriptures speak uh, for themselves in it. But that's sort of an outline of, of what it uh, means to, to be a deacon. So let's get going. All right. How about the mindset? So when you think about the mindset of a deacon, I love this quote from MacArthur. If you have a MacArthur study Bible, you'll see this in the notes. He says, again, the Scripture says that they're to be reverential. They're to be reverent. A deacon is to be a reverent person. Uh, Deacons serve under the leadership of elders, helping them exercise oversight in the practical matters of church life. Scripture defines no official or specific job responsibilities for deacons. They're to do whatever the elders assign them or whatever spiritual ministry It's necessary. And so there needs to be a reverence for the role, for the responsibility. God calls them to fulfill certain areas of service, specifically with the widows. They are given, our deacons here, are given a care list. So when they come on board, we assign them a list of the families. If you don't know who your deacon is, please contact Allison, but hold off because we're actually going to next Sunday We're going to shuffle the deck, and so our deacons will be getting new assignments, new families to care for, all right? But specifically in connection with the widows, um, again, going back to uh, the Acts 6 uh, example. And so they'll be caring for many of you. It's important that you as a church understand who your deacon is so that as needs arise, you can reach out to them, okay? And uh, they're there to help serve you. And so there has to be the mindset of reverence for God's work, for God's people. Uh, The mouth. Again, we see here in the qualifications um, that deacons are to be reverent and they're not to be double-tongued. What does this word double-tongued mean? Not double-tongued. Deacons must not say one thing to some people and something else to others. Right? Their speech must, must not be hypocritical. But honest and consistent. Plainly put, they can't be a politician. (laughs) So anyway. Um, The actual, it's the idea of a a snake double, you know, a forked tongue, right? And we all know what this looks like. It can't be one of these people that's like, you know, Pastor Jeremy just, just really gets on my nerves. That guy, you know, he's just. He, he says he wants burgers. I'd give him fish, and he just don't like it. Anyway, I, I'll talk to you later. Hey, Pastor Jeremy, I'm telling you what. That guy's awesome. You know? He, you know, he, he, uh, he understood. I, I messed up one time gave him some fish, and he wanted a burger, you know. That's double-tongued, guys. That creates division. Now, normally it's not that way. Normally it's the opposite. Normally it's... There's chatter coming from over here, and there's agreement or disagreement, and chatter over here, this opposite, and there's agreement or disagreement. Deacons must not be double-tongued. In fact, what did we see in Acts 6 when a problem arose in the midst, in the church? Because there was a problem, Remember? The Hellenists were feeling neglected, so there was murmuring. There was this little back and forth. Well, why did they get fish and we don't get burgers? Or they got burgers and we didn't get fish. You know, there's this little back and forth going on, right? The deacons did not double-tongue it. They sought how to unify it. And by the way, did they? Yeah. Because I don't hear anything else about that after Acts 6, do you? And in fact, what did we see happen on the hills of that dispute being settled? The church grew and multiplied. One of the biggest services the deacons do here in a local church is help put out pockets of murmuring. When there are disputes that come up, they are certain to serve the body of Christ and our Lord and Savior by seeking to bring unity. That's what we must do. And so the mouth. Deacon's not to be double-tongued. They're not to be given too much wine. By the way, that goes in the mouth. See what I did there? Um, Now, many have said, well, hey, hey, you know, the the pastor says, you know, not given. Here it just says not much wine, so we can have a little bit. Woo! (laughs) <laughs> All right, guys, uh, I'm not going to give you a little sermon on drinking, not drinking. Again, the question is, is this something that you're purposeful? Is this something that, is, that you're preoccupied with? You know, man, I got to have that drink at the end of the day. You know, is, is this something that is hindering your testimony? Now, let's just be real for a second. Don't do a double standard. How would you feel if you were driving by the ABC store and you saw your pastor coming out with a case of beer? Some of you are laughing and smiling, shaking your heads, right? Right, rightfully so. N- not where I need to go. Not a place I need to be. All right, We can use simple discernment here, guys. I'm not going to get on a soapbox here and tell, you know, I shall not drink. You'll go to hell. I'm not. That's not who I am. That's not what we're saying. But we need to be discerning. We need to use discretion. Okay. And and again, let me just take a moment because y'all know where I'm at. Okay. The Lord delivered me from drinking, so I'm a teetotaler. None. I don't want nothing to do with it. Where do you fall off the Grand Canyon? Near the edge. I want to be a mile away. Okay. I don't want to be close to it because I know this old boy's heart and it's de- desperately, deceitfully wicked. All right. That's about as good as I can know, and that's because God told me that's what it is. I don't want to fool with it. I don't want to get near it, all right? Ask guys the 4th of July lost a thumb. It's because they played with the fireworks. I'm just saying, right? So, I don't think it's something to toy with. But I'm also going to say, if you're choosing, please, don't be posting your drinks on Facebook. I mean, come on, man. Really? And I'll say this dogmatically. Being drunk is a sin. We're called to be sober-minded. We're called to be alert. And if you, you want to talk to somebody about, oh, well, I know where that line is, trust me, that's a, the that's a guy who deceived himself for many years. All right? So if you want to play that game, just know you'll lose that game every time. So stay away from it. Don't be given to, to wine. And again, deacons, uh, even more so the responsibility of, of serving this local church because these kids are looking to you. These kids, these young people, teenagers, oftentimes they are on social media and they see you out having that glass of wine with your, with your significant other. Again, you're, you're an adult, you're making your choice, but now you've put this potentially before them and that can be a stumbling block. That could cause that kid to say, well, Deacon Barnett, you know, I saw he had some uh, wine on his table, well, what's, what's wrong with me having a glass? And... I mean, no, no, you know, Barnett could probably handle a glass, all right? I'm just saying, and <laughs> not that I'm recommending it. But, you know, Karis gets someone sip down, and she's out the door staggering. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So we, we want to be careful, guys. We want to be careful um, in that example. So just stay away from it, man. Just stay away from the Grand Canyon edge. You won't fall. Um, so how about the money? Uh, we see this here also in the definition of the deacon, that they're not... Um, and they got to be careful as well, not greedy for money. And so uh, to my deacons and future deacons who own businesses, um, who work hard, and my, and listen, our deacons work hard, all of them. We got Over the years, we've had so many different professions in, to serve in the role of, of deacon. I mean, we've, we've had doctors, we've had um, uh, farmers, we've had uh, business owners, we've had managers, we've had... Uh, just so many different uh, people who've served, and one of the things that God says we must guard against is not allowing that desire for the dollar to control us, because even in your own profession, that can become a chase, and and, and that that's a fleeting. That's that's you're never going to catch that. You understand? Um, And so be careful to guard your heart when it comes to the money. Not not greedy for money. The King James Version puts it far more memorably. Not greedy um, of filthy lucre. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not, Not money, but the love of money. Okay, Nothing wrong with having funds and using that for God's glory. God raises up people, establishes people with successful, uh, in, in success in the area of money and finances, and that should be like anything else you and I have. It's simply to be used for God's glory. So if God blesses you with funds. He blesses you with material goods. He blesses you with things. You know, he multiplies your quiver. Whatever the case may be, everything that we have belongs to God, and therefore let's allow it to be used of God to glorify God. And so be careful to guard our hearts in that. Uh, also we see the mystery. Now the mystery is really not a mystery anymore. Okay, um, It's been revealed in the New Testament. The mystery of the gospel is no longer hidden. It's been made known. Christ has been manifest. He has come. That gospel uh, is the truth that is now plain uh, for the world to see. But specifically here in regards to the deacons who are qualified, it says that they are holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. How important it is. A deacon needs to be a person who holds to the truth of Scriptures and doesn't distort what God has said. Now, we'll learn in the difference between deacons and pastors. Deacons don't have to be teachers. But man, they better be students. We're all students. We need to be growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. One of the things that we seek to do when deacons come on board, new deacons, we give them a booklet, a little pamphlet to read to help them delve a little deeper in the Word of God to better understand what they're being called to, what their role, what their responsibility is. We also give them uh, a printout. We've often done a class of training. And again, what is the purpose of it? It's to help grow them in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ because we want the deacons of Community Baptist Church to stand firm on the authority of Thus Saith the Lord. Because we know that that will allow them to better serve the local church. And so pray for your deacons in that, that they will be students. My current deacons, previous deacons, future deacons, be students. Study all you can about the role and the responsibilities that rest with you. Because that's going to strengthen the church and it's going to protect the integrity of the truth of God's Word. And so that's something that deacons are to do. Uh, We also see the method. And this is in verse 10. Look, if you would, back into the text. And in verse 10, we see that... um, But let these also first be tested. Let them first be tested. This word tested, it's the uh, Greek word uh, dakamazo. It means to test. It means to examine. It means to prove. It means to scrutinize. To see whether a thing is genuine or not. Guys, this is why it's so important that when we choose from amongst ourselves men who are uh, spirit-filled, full of the holy wisdom, that we don't just throw, yeah, I like old Barnett. He's a good fella. He's a nice guy. I'll put him in. He's a nice guy. It, it, you don't put a nice guy in, into the office of, of deacon. I'm glad it's a nice guy. By the way, not only is Barnett a nice guy, he's also a qualified guy, okay? Let me say that. But again, the importance is that we weigh through this. They have proven themselves. Well, how are they going to prove themselves? They've got to be tested first, right? And so they're the ones who are showing up. The ones that when we choose from amongst ourselves, those are the ones who are showing up. By the way, if you're not showing up, you're not going to know who's showing up, right? And so, you got to show up to know who's showing up. Just saying, because why would you expect your pastor and deacons, as servant leaders, why do you expect and anticipate them to be a part of what's going on in the church if you're not willing to be a part of the church? And and, and so, just imagine for just just. Just throwing it out there just for a little fun and entertainment today. Um, what if I decided, you know what? Let's we'll still show up Sunday. Well, we need some rest. Didn't tell nobody. Didn't bother telling anybody. Just didn't show up. Oh, y'all be up in a, you know. Guys, the roles and responsibilities that we serve are important. Communication is important, right? And so, especially in the areas when we have responsibilities, we need to communicate. We need to make sure that, you know, hey, I'm not going to show up. Oh, I might be calling Brother Dean back there. Dean, I'm not showing up today. I need you to preach. Brother Nate, you want to take that mask off and preach today, brother? Because, you know, I'm not there. Thanks. You know, no. And I probably wouldn't be there the next week either if I did that. <laughs> so, just saying. So the, the method that we, they need to be tested, then approved. So you don't approve before they're tested. There has to be a testing period. There has to be a growing period. There has to be a season where we observe our deacons. Then approved. Guys, this is huge. This is why we develop the the helpers, the deacon helpers um, here at the church. So here's the way the deacon helpers come to exist at Community Baptist Church. When we have our nomination and we say choose from amongst yourself, you all write down names. Okay? And let me tell you, some of y'all write down some names. I mean, we've had dead people show up on the list. We've had people who ain't been here for years. We have people who show up as uh, he's a pastor. I mean, you know. So we we have just those of us behind scenes that count. We chuckle sometimes when we get back there. Hey, look, here's huh? You know. And so, wow. It Doesn't matter how all, how much I preach this. There's always going to be somebody's going to write down anyway. Um, so there's a process here. There's a method to our madness. But what happens is every name that gets written down, except for the dead ones, uh, we say they're going to be deacon helpers because somebody cared enough to write their name. For whatever reason, that's between them and God. But maybe they see something that we've not yet seen. And so this allows them to enter into the testing period. And this is why deacons hear me on this. I have hit this drum for the past seven years hard. Please Nate knows he he'll, he'll be like yeah how many times have I heard that speech Dean's heard it Deacons use your deacon helpers well I don't I can do this myself that's missing the point We need to pull in the helpers so they can be tested because the church is bigger than you and me It's about 50 years from now. It's about 70 years from now. It's about 100 years from now. It's about the future of this church. And so the only way we're going to cultivate future strong leadership in the area of service is by giving them the opportunity to be tested. And so I tell and encourage my deacons, and listen, my guys are getting it. They're starting to incorporate. We've got, I'm telling you, I've seen some of the best deacon helpers happening in recent months through this pandemic. Anyway. Um, than I've seen in a long time. And so this is good. This means we're making slow steps in growth, and this is good. Keep doing that, deacons. Call that list. So everybody that gets their name written down as a potential deacon moves into the category of let them first be tested, then approved. And so what will happen is sometimes they'll reach out to you. Hey, can you come help with the project? You're not able to do it. Whatever. You don't want to do it. Whatever. This is, again, the process that helps us determine and for the church to see who those future deacons are. Very important. And then, they, then uh, above repro- approach, they must be found blameless, easy for me to say. Uh, they must be found blameless. Guys, we live in a world where all you need is the accusation and everybody crucifies you. That's the sad day. You know, used to it was you're innocent until proven guilty. Now you're guilty and it don't matter if you're proven innocent. I mean, that's the reality, isn't it? But That cannot be the case within the church, within the body of Christ. Cannot be the case. The idea of blameless here is that mud don't stick. Anytime you're in a, any kind of leadership role or you're taking point on any kind of project, whether it's a practical thing within the church grounds or whether it's a pastoral leadership, it doesn't matter. It, it, you could be the manager of Blockbuster, which, by the way, they closed a long time ago, but so you need to get a new job. But if you were... You're going, to get, you're going to get insults. You're going to get accusations. It's just part of being out front. When you're out front, it's easy to get shot in the back. right? I mean, that's just the reality. Leadership, it comes with the territory. Many of you know what I'm talking about. You manage, you, you, you direct, you do different things, and there's always going to be you know, the comment cards. There's always going to be something that comes against you. That's okay, but it can't stick. That's where the integrity is. So just know that there will be times, deacons, you're going to be criticized because you didn't call, you didn't come by, you didn't do, whatever the case. But again, is this a pattern? Is it, is it sticking? Is there truly something there? And so we need to be above reproach, being found blameless. And now we talk about the misses. So we see here in the text, deacons are to be reverent, not double-tongued, not given much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Pause. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Now, I'm not going to take the time to unpack this verse as I've done in previous messages. You can go back and listen to pastors' understanding because there is a bit of a theological question raised here amongst theologians. Is this a transition because of the word likewise? You had elders, deacons, likewise used here also to transition to deaconesses. Now again, not going to go there today. I've gone there before. You can go back and listen to that if you want to and hear the teaching on that. Today I'm going to hold just to the text before us in the translation that we have here, and I'm going to expound it as many have interpreted it to be, that this is in regards to a deacon's wife. Okay. Again, if you want to hear my take, go back to previous studies. Not today. All right, so here's the missus. She's to be reverent. So not only when we are laying hands upon a deacon or a pastor, we're in essence identifying the whole family because the whole family is called in essence. If the husband is called, the family follows, right? You never want to call a pastor to this church whose wife and kids are not on board. That will be problematic. You don't want to call deacons to service in this local church if their family's against it. That could be problematic. And so it is important that we understand that when it comes to the wife, that she also be reverent. So it's not enough to just, as a church, lay hands on, you know, to to identify with, to nominate brother so-and-so. But if they're married, which, by the way, they don't have to be married. That's that's another thing that's come up. Um, But if they are, then we need to take into consideration the whole family. This is important, according to Scripture. They're to be reverent. They're not to be slanderous. The word accuser there. I mean, it's descriptive of the word of Satan. You know, he's the accuser of the brethren night and day. He stands at the throne and accuses you night and day. Wow. We don't need a pastor's wife or deacon's wife doing that, right? And so we have to also recognize that this is important in the qualifications. That they're not slanderous. They're not not somebody who goes around accusing. Um, They're temperate. They're self-restrained. Very important quality that they be uh, someone who who exercises the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. You 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 don't need a rebel-rousing wife uh, in any of the offices within the body of Christ. It's just not profitable uh, for the body of Christ. And they need to be faithful in all things, worthy of trust. I've served in a lot of ministries and under elders and alongside pastors and with deacons and, and so forth and, and in other boards. And a lot of times you'll hear this in those rooms and those settings. Now, gentlemen, I'm getting ready to tell you something, but now you need to promise you're not going to tell your wives. I've heard that many times. To which I say, whoa, time out, Bo. Even if his name's not Bo I usually like to use time out Bo then don't say it because I can tell you me and my wife are one and my heart safely trusts in her how important this union is I could not pastor if I did not have Allison as my wife she is a sounding board She is one that my heart safely trusts in, and I have to confide in her. I have to tell her these things, or I'm going to blow up sometimes. (laughs) And sometimes I blow up anyway, and she just calms me down with her gentle spirit. And then I say, you're so smart, honey. So it's important. And so I don't say that to my deacons. But I will say now, if you choose to tell your wives, please keep it confidential. Make sure they're faithful in all things. They have to be able to be trustworthy as well. Because what happens if they're not, well, my husband, you know, serves with the deacons. And I heard, oof, that can destroy a ministry. And so, again, faithful in all things, trustworthy with those things. Because there's a lot of times that things are discussed that you wouldn't want. Let's say your family's going through some, some real hard issues, marital and family strife or some problems or addiction or something that your pastor is pouring into your family, trying to counsel you, trying to love with you, and trying to give you some, some wisdom and direction. And, and he gets that permission to share with these men to pray, that we're going to pray for your situation. You don't want that going anywhere beyond that. And so it's important that we're faithful in this in this role in this responsibility and so again um, uh, that's 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 you know now with that said discretion there are times that you know that doesn't mean all right honey uh, so tonight we talked about point A was blah 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 point B was blah 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 trust me these ladies don't want because half the time these men don't want to be there either with a lot of the point A point B point C point D just tell me what we got to do bro let's get it done let's get out of here all right we're working on that by the way pray for your pastor shorter meetings all right, then we see the matrimony. Now, again, this is that union. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife. This literally translates to a one-woman man. A one-woman man. And this is one of those others, too, that becomes the unpardonable sin. Well, that deacon, he's, he can't be a deacon. He's been married before. Has he got two wives right now? Well, according to... And then they want to get in a whole theological debate about it. Well, no. Guys, look. Polygamy was a real issue in the day. There was a lot of that stuff going on in pagan worship. There was a lot of, in the culture, women were like property. There was a lot of stuff that was happening. And Christianity comes along and now all of a sudden women are set free into a new area that they've never been allowed in society before. And so to govern the church, the Holy Spirit begins to, again, through the men holding the pen, begins to explain and and begins to write out these things to give instruction to the local church. And and this is where you get into the, ladies, don't adorn yourselves with this and that. And and again, that's not to, I love my Pentecostal brethren and sisters, but that doesn't mean don't ever cut your hair, don't wear any makeup, and don't wear jewelry. Okay, that's a wooden literal of the text. Again, what was going on in the culture? What was going on in the context? And the idea is don't go into the worship service and draw attention to yourself with your newfound freedom. right? Your newfound liberty. Husbands, if you're going to serve in this role, you've got to be dedicated to one. Your heart has to be captured by that spouse. Present tense. And here's why. As a pastor, I used to be a brawler. Okay? I used to fight for a living. I used to get paid to fight, throw people out. That was one of my job descriptions, throw people out. I didn't put that on when I applied here, by the way. Though it could have come in handy. I'm just kidding. Um, and so I'm not a brawler anymore. Now thank God that the qualifications of a pastor, again, present tense, presently speaking. Am I a brawler? Okay, Presently speaking speaking am I, uh, do I drink? Am I drunkard right? You know, I mean present tense, we go present tense all the way through here. not and then we get to this was we oh well, 20 years ago, oh well, then I'm sorry you're not qualified. Now, every one of these is something that we must individually look at and define as we go through them and face them. because there may be times that we need to say no to someone who was previously married but we've gotta weigh the circumstances. You don't make the blanketed statement here. There's gonna be times that somebody who's happily married for 50 years, we're gonna say no to, because again, scripturally, we need to say no to. And so, but what I want us to be careful is that we don't make a blank statement here that this somehow is a disqualifier just because someone is um, not married or has been married before, okay? And so uh, an important thing, and again, you can delve into that, and uh, if your conscience says, no, I see this is this way, then vote your conscience, all right? But as a whole here at Community Baptist Church, our take on this has been such that it's a one-woman-man, present tense, and that as long as you're not a polygamist and uh, you're not lusting after every girl in town, you know, anyway, we're a little tighter than that, but you understand my point. All right, so how about this? The menage. What does that word mean? Who Googled it? Who's got my definition? Anybody want? Nobody? Nobody? Come on! I figured some. So y'all were checking the ESPN. All right. Um, the idea here is that the menage is that which is in a household. It's the household, um, and so the children in the household are to be in subjection. We know those unrulys. You know the saying, the only kids worse than the pastor's kids are the deacon's kids. <laughs> anyway, they, the deacons split that joke, by the way. Um, we, we you know, Obviously, yeah, that's important, man. You, you know, you've got some out-of-control kids. Y'all realize I've got four possibilities of being disqualified? Seriously. Four possibilities of being disqualified. And, 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 and I'm really, I, don't, I do, seriously, I, I know that. I know that at any point if my children were to go astray, that would have a bearing on my ministry. And so the idea here is if you're going to serve as a deacon, your number one priority is your relationship with God. Your number two priority is your family. Your family is important. And I don't want deacons, I don't want pastors, fellow pastors, over here serving at the neglect of their family. Family must be priority, only second to God. And so that balance and so understanding that there are times, and this is important how we operate as a church too. It's very important that we understand this, that we're not giving somebody the boot when their family's struggling. That's the worst time to kick somebody, right, when they're down. And so not just this pastor, but future pastors... Not just current deacons, but future deacons. If there's ever a time when their families are struggling with whatever it might be, show some grace for crying out loud. Too often times, the Baptists shoot they're wounded, man. They can't get the pastor out the door quick enough. And especially if you give a situation where maybe that deacon or that pastor has maybe been a thorn in somebody's side. Oh man, there's my opportunity. Let's get them gone. Guys, that's not grace. That's not love. One of the best things I ever heard one time was taking a youth group down to Word of Life, Florida, and we would stopped and stayed at Missions to Military uh, in Jacksonville. And I don't even know if it's there anymore, but they put us all up uh, overnight, and I remember we were listening to a message on the drive there. And it was a former pastor who, uh, his, one of his children had fallen into sin and addiction and was rebelling, and he had to come to the church uh, leadership and, the, uh, and tell them, hey, this is what's going on with my child. And he fully anticipated that they were going to get him gone, which is oftentimes the case. Instead, they showed grace. And I'll never forget that message and hearing it still stuck to this day and this is 20 years ago almost, I mean. And and I remember that he said what they gave me was grace. He said, "Here's what we're going to do. Deacon so and so is going to be your connection." We want you to take three months. Win your daughter back. Pursue the heart of your family. Minister to the need at hand. And we'll be here. And we're going to assess in three months where you're at in this struggle. And so it ended up um, in in the situation that uh, he came back. And I think at that time there there was definitely healing. Come to find out that the daughter had done this because... Dad was never there because of the ministry. And so her her anger was towards the church, not towards the dad, but this is the way in which she fleshed it out. And so, again, the church in support worked with them, and they they took another month to acclimate them back into the role, and the child was actively serving the Lord again. The church was rejuvenated, and the pastor had been successful in the ministry. Guys, that's a model, that's a picture, I think, that, that we should all follow. Um, Now, there are times in there, again, individual circumstances that it may not unfold that way. But we must always lead with grace. And so that's important. That family home needs to be in order. And if it's not, then we need to step aside for a season. That doesn't mean we're done. That doesn't mean we need to tar and feather the person who, because they've uh, been hit with spirit. By the way, you do know deacons and pastors are going to be enemy number one from the enemy, we're targets. Our families are targets. And so it shouldn't be strange when we get hit with fiery darts. So how about the merit? Deacons, what do you have to look forward to? Uh, Well, the pay here is not so good. (laughs) Right? My deacon's like, you got that right. Um, But the retirement's out of this world, brother. I'm telling you. All right? Don't forget who you're working for. Keep your eyes on the prize. Christ Jesus our Lord. And so... Um, the, The Bible says here that in the end you have good standing. Notice at the close of the text. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and a great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Guys, I cannot say enough how important the role that you're filling is. It is an honorable role. Uh, In faith, your faith will be established. In Christ, uh, your your, uh, walk will be established. And it's that in and of itself, knowing that you labor for the cause of Christ, that you're ministering to the very body that Christ loved and gave His life for, there's great reward in that. Well, what about the deacons over the decades? I'm not going to bore you. We're getting time to close out uh, with some history. So let me just kind of run through some of these things. Fifth century, deacons were uh, just, you know, kind of again, that, those that provided uh, uh, care for the widows and orphans. That continues. Uh, deacons carried out administrative assignments given by their bishops. Pastors met daily to receive instruction from him. Uh, failure to carry out their assignments was cause for removal. They had authority from a bishop, presbyter, bishop were present. Uh, they could even baptize. They assisted with the Lord's Supper. You assist here as well. Um, there may be times in the future where, um, who, yeah, if I get some big boys to baptize, me and Dean were joking about this the other day. Barnett, you're on call. I'm just saying. Um, and then uh, we also saw that during the Reformation that the return to Scripture resulted in a return to biblical role of deacons. So, so again, through that... that, that Through history, there was a little bit of a departure from that role, the biblical role. And uh, we see this, Martin Luther uh, made the statement, the diaconate is the ministry not of reading the gospel or the epistle as is the present practice, but of distributing the church's aid to the poor. So again, it had kind of departed and it became more of just a ceremonial type role. Hence, you know, the Catholic Church and the whole, uh, again, uh, Martin Luther and um, his response in the Reformation. We also see John Calvin Uh, Scripture specifically designates as deacons to uh, those whom the church has appointed to distribute alms and take care of the poor and serve as stewards of the common chest for the poor. And so again, you see sort of historically this pattern. The problem was this led to a drift. And in the later half, especially in our Baptist history, there was a strong drift. In the later half of the 18th century, a new concept of Baptist deacons emerged and continues to exist in many churches today. This was the view of deacons as church business managers. This view stressed to a seemingly excessive degree the administrative function of deacons intended to distract from other areas of service previously given equally strong attention. The drift started as an effort to relieve the minister from the secular concerns of the church. So again, a good motive, but in the end, a bad practice. And so, again, understanding role and responsibility biblically, not as defined by culture and even good intentions, we must hold to the authority of Scripture. So the deacon board came into existence 1846. RBC Howell was using new terminology saying that deacons are a board of directors and have charge of all the secular affairs in the kingdom of Christ. This is in uh, Judson Press, page 11. The deacons in their own peculiar department are, as we have said, a board of officers or the executive board of the church for her temporal department. Um, This is when and how in Baptist life deacons came to be called a board. This term has no biblical rooting in word or concept. This was taking the model of the world with the banking industry and said, we need to probably do something like that in the church. Guys, this is why a lot of the Baptist churches have departed from the faith. And so we must guard the integrity of the roles and offices as defined by Scripture. And so with this, I'll close. There's no definitive list anywhere giving the responsibility of deacons. So it's not like, hey, you got to do A, B, and C. You're not going to find that in the Scripture. The guiding principles seem to be whatever the church needs. And so as time changes, there's needs are going to change. And so the church says, hey, we need blah, blah, blah. And the men, the deacons, the deacon helpers, that's what they do. Um, the leadership supports. So again, there's times that pastors are going to say, hey, we need A, B, and C. The deacons, you know, we need to get this done. And so uh, deacon servants are not found to be an authority over anyone anywhere in Scripture. Again, our goal is to serve. So... Um, Let me give you this illustration. A deacon whose faith had been revitalized during a Sunday night evangelistic service came to the minister to tell him he was now ready to live for Jesus and available for service. The minister prayed with him, thanked him, and assured him that he would be called upon. Later that same night, a widowed mother in the church called the minister and said she was desperate for a ride for her young son to the hospital the next day for a long-scheduled appointment with a specialist doctor. The hospital was 50 miles away in the city and a ride had fallen through. Smiling to himself at the seemingly providential provision of God, the minister called the deacon and asked him to take this task. At first the deacon protested that he'd have to take a half a day off work. But relented under the minister's gentle reminder that he had said he was available for service. So the deacon arranged the time off work and went to the woman's house the next morning. The mother was unable to go because of her other children. So he carried the little boy, who was unable to walk on his own, out to his pickup and set him down beside him in the seat. When they had driven a while, the boy said, You're God, aren't you? The deacon said, No, of course not. Why would you say that? The boy said, Last night I heard my mother crying and praying to God to send someone to take me to the hospital. I thought you must be God. The boy was quiet for a minute, and then he said, If you're not God, you work for Him, don't you? The deacon paused, and with tears in his eyes, and a thrill in his heart, said, Now more than ever, son. Now more than ever. Guys, that's at the heart of a deacon. Serving. And I'm thankful that those are the deacons we have here at this church. Men who serve well as deacons obtain a high standing in the faith. Some of the greatest men that I respect the most in this church have been those men who currently and over the years have served as deacons as well as our deacon helpers. They serve selflessly. They serve practically. They do a lot of manual labor. They set up chairs. They clean toilets. They vacuum carpets. They mow grass. They clear trails. They shovel dirt. They do a lot. They show up early. They stay late with a single thought to serve without earthly reward. Their hope is that you can come to the church and not have to think about anything else besides worshiping, fellowshipping, and receiving the teachings. They receive no pay, little recognition, but their position in my heart and in God's kingdom is exalted. Exalted. Thank God for the office of deacon. Let's pray. Father, I am truly humbled and grateful when I think back over the past 11 years the many men that you have placed in the role of deacon here at Community Baptist Church. And Lord, I am thankful for the men who currently serve because, Lord, you have protected and preserved the ministry of community because it's based on the integrity of of your truth Lord continue to preserve that continue to groom and grow the hearts of all of your servant leaders and Lord that you'll help us as a church to hold these men and their families in prayer and to be grateful and thankful for the service they give and so Lord here today I stand before you and I say thank you thank you for the great legacy that's been left by men from old and for the current men who are serving faithfully selflessly and practically and lord we thank you for what you're doing keep this church strong for your name's sake we pray in jesus name amen don't forget i got up on the screen